If you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch is probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. For people who are regular listeners to the show, uh, you know that you know over the course of doing this podcast, I've interviewed everyone from Juno winners to basement punk bands who have played one show to everything in between. And I think that the guest on, on this episode of the podcast is someone who, uh, as far as Winnipeg musicians go, has has been one of the more successful, um, best known internationally artists uh, over the past few decades. And I think that um, the best way to start this off is if you want to just quickly introduce yourself, and then we can talk about all the new things that you have going on. Well, my name's Brad Roberts, and I'm in a band called Crash Chest Dummies. We had a big hit with Superman song in 1991 in Canada. And then we um, did not have a big hit with mmm in Canada, but we did have a big hit with mmm in America and then internationally. That's that's the basis of our, our early history, at sure, least. Sure, sure. And I guess the reason we're talking now is because you have a new single out, and it seems like... Uh, over the past few years, uh, not including the pandemic, of course, but uh, your band has really sort of uh, made a bit of a comeback in the sense that you've done tours for anniversaries of some of your your, your first record, and uh, now you have this new single, you're playing lots of shows. Was this something you expected to happen this far down the road after a long hiatus? No, not at all. I did not expect this to happen. I don't think any of us did. Um, but we played... Um a show with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, and we had such a great time that we decided to go back on the road. Then the pandemic hit, and we were halted. But uh, since that has lifted, we've been on the road ever since, and uh, touring extensively throughout America and Canada and Europe. And I think we're going to Australia and South Africa as well. Oh, wow. So this is this is like a full-on, it's still actively happening at this point, like you're in tour mode now. Yes, in a big way. I just finished a month of dates that went from New York down to Atlanta, Georgia, and then came back up through the Midwest. What is it like um, touring on, on this material that, you know, in many cases is, is three, four decades old, and, and people obviously have a strong connection to it, the fans that I'm sure are coming to your shows, but at this point in time, after all these years, do you still feel, do you still feel a connection to some of these songs and, and this material that you did, you know, when you were an up and coming band from Winnipeg? Well, I'm very fortunate to still be comfortable with the material that I wrote when I was a young man. Um, I think that God Shoveled His Feet stands the test of time. I think Superman song stands the test of time. Um, the other thing too, is that you have to remember when you play this material, for people in an audience, they're hearing it 
live for the first time in many cases, or, you know, the second time maybe. Um, so for them, it's fresh and new. And even though I might have played that song a hundred times, when I play it for a new audience, their, their appreciation is infectious. Right. And it makes it possible for me to enjoy that same old material. Do you have a good grasp on sort of what your audience is at these shows? I mean, I imagine there's a lot of people who are who, who would have seen you live or bought your records the first time around, but there's probably some younger people too who, like you say, are, are experiencing this fresh and new. Yeah, in fact, there's three streams of population that we have going on at our shows. There are the people that heard the music when they were young. Um, and by young, I mean anywhere from childhood to sort of college age so they might when superman song might came out they might be 10 years old they might be 25 years old um and then we have their kids coming to our shows because their kids grew up listening to their parents record collection and we were in it yeah and then the third generation we have going is their kids now because it's actually come to that these the people that listen to us now have grandchildren and they show up at the shows and they're often just tykes, you know, or they're in their early teens. Um, so it's very interesting to see how the music has been passed from generation to generation like that. What do you think is the uh, lasting appeal of it? Because obviously, I mean, you know, you mentioned Superman's song as, as being sort of the big hit. That that song you still hear, especially in Winnipeg, on the radio almost daily, it seems, and it's still it's still a present song in 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 kind of the ether. Um, what do you think has has made it last? I mean, uh, not not that song in particular, but just your sound in general. Uh, that's a good question. Because styles have changed, right? The styles of things have come and gone, and you seem to be sort of a constant. Um, something in it works. I. Yeah. I really don't know. I um, I think that's a question that I'm not in a position to answer. I think that people that are perceiving the music that I'm writing are the only ones that could really answer that question. Right. Once it's once it's put out into the world, it's kind of out of your hands, and it's up to the uh, the audiences to decide what they what it means to them. I, that's how I feel. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, of those groups that you mentioned, I mean, I think I fit into the first group. I, I'm, I'm 40, and I would have first heard you probably when I was a kid. And I think I would have first seen you live around 1999, maybe 2000. And so I can definitely see there's people my age and, of course, older who who would be sort of uh, having this nostalgia thing, right? They, they grew up with these records, and they wanted to come mm -hmm. see you and hear what you're doing now. Does that, I mean, now that you have a new song out, does that sort of feeling of nostalgia, Does that is that something you consider, knowing that people have loved your band for all these years because of certain elements in the sound? Or are you comfortable at this point to just, this is some new music we're making, this is what it sounds like? Um, the latter, I think. We, um, the, the, the song that I just put out is influenced by a lot of, um, things that weren't really on the plate on the table for me when I was a younger man. When the pandemic started, I began studying classical piano and counterpoint, which is a method of composition that's about 400 years old. 
and um, it really influenced the way I was writing. And um, as a result, our new single, although it still sounds like Crashes Dummies, um, is definitely a, a new take on on uh, what we've done in the past. So I don't feel constrained by um, any sort of expectations. I feel like I can just put what I want out into the ether and that it will, um, it will garner attention uh, as much as attention as it garners and no less and no more. And there's not much I can do about that except try and get it on playlists and do all the obvious practical stuff. Well, and that's that's completely different too from from sort of the height of your of your popularity as a band. The way the whole ecosystem of how music is consumed and, and shared and and heard has completely changed. What is that like? Sort of you know releasing new music now and realizing that everything is different about how people are are even finding uh, records in the first place. Well, it's in it's interesting. Um, you know, when we released this song years ago, when you released a song, you tried to work at a radio. Now people don't even try and work radio. They try and work streaming platforms. Yeah. And um, people don't tend to talk as much to newspapers. They talk a lot more to podcasters. Um, so the whole landscape has changed, like you say, and I just find it all very interesting. And I just try and go with the flow and... Um, you know, nowadays people are releasing one song at a time, and so I decided, why not, why not do that? I had one song, and I really liked it, and I thought it would be fun to play in our live shows, and so why not record it? Instead 
Is that uh, something that you're hoping to do more of now that now that now that this is out in the world? Is that has that kind of um, sparked interest in, in recording more new music or, or releasing more new music? Because I'm sure you've been writing. Sort of yeah, continually. I'm, I'm writing. I'm writing a companion piece to say to Sacred Alphabet right now, which takes the lyric and ex- that already exists in Sacred Alphabet and expands on it. Okay. Um, I don't have a a record in mind to be quite honest with you i've just been kind of pecking away at it song by song which is and sort of how we'll things work now anyway yes exactly so at this point i think i read um in one of your bios or on the website or something that um many of you are living in different cities at this point so how, how does how does this whole uh, process of being a band and and getting together and, and writing rehearsing touring how are the logistics now that you're not all together? Well, the recording was an interesting process. I recorded the, the piano and the vocals um, in New York City, and then I sent the tracks around to my various band members, and they're spread out between Winnipeg, Toronto, and Nova Scotia. Um, so I, I sent them all the the original tracks and they each in turn in their home studios put down their own parts sent those parts back to me and I sifted through them all and decided which ones to use and which ones to leave aside and when to bring in what and um, ended up with a 
a very nice result. It's n not a process I've ever undertaken before. Um, so it was new for me, but it was really enjoyable and I would love to do it again. Uh, as far as the touring and that goes, we, we generally um, don't have too much trouble because on the first, if, we, if we're doing a tour and we haven't toured in a while, you know, in a few months, then we'll generally just um, book ourselves flights to the first town on our tour and um, we'll set up a rehearsal for a couple of days before our show. Okay. And then and the show acts as a, uh, as a real a dress rehearsal, as it were. <laughs> the first show is more or less a dress rehearsal. And um, we take it from there. And it just seems to get tighter every night. With this, uh, with this new single, I mean, like you said, it definitely sounds like the Crash Test Dummies, but there's, it is a little different. Obviously, you, you're get, what you're being influenced by is different with the, with the classical elements and things like that. Um, it has a very kind of moody vibe to it, which is which is cool. One of the things I sort of uh, I think that I, I liked about your band to begin with is when I first heard you, I think I was I was into heavier music. I thought, oh, this is some folk thing. I, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. And then I saw you play, it must have been at the Folk Fest, maybe 99 or 2000, and you would, I think it was your fourth album, which was the very kind of, um, it was a lot funkier. It had a lot of the falsetto vocals and there was sort of the drone bass stuff happening. And that got me really interested. I really enjoyed sort of that alternate version of what I thought you were as a band. Um, and that, that made me much more interested in going back to your, your previous records and, and sort of giving them a, giving them a chance that I, I didn't give them before. So, um, I guess, do you have a, an idea of sort of what the sound of your band is at this point after all these years? Because, you know, from record to record and even song to song, in some cases, there's, I guess you can put it under a folk rock umbrella if you want to be, you know, really, really wide ranging, but there's a lot of different things happening. Do you, do you have an idea of what it is that you do as a band? Um, well, you know, it, you're exactly right. We've made a lot of different sounding records over the years. Um, our first record was very folky. Our second record was quite a bit more sophisticated sounding, I would say. Um, you know, it combined, um, guitars with a lot of synthesizers and um, had a much more slick sound, I think, but I, I personally prefer it to our first record. Our third record was more of a hard rock affair with lots of electric guitars, not so many synthesizers. Um, and then our fourth record, as you say, was kind of funky sounding. Our fifth record was very much in the country vein. Uh, the next one was kind of pop, and then there was another one that was rather apocalyptic. Um, and then there's this kind of fun record I made with with some with toy instruments. So that there isn't really we don't really have one sound, and our set list reflects that. We we take tunes from many of our records. And um, they all managed to hang together because despite the fact that they all have different influences and reflect different genres, they're all written by me. Right. <laughs> you know, so they come from the same brain and, and therefore they have a commonality. That makes sense for sure, yeah. Is it is it easier at this point, uh, you know, now that you're sort of... Um a number of years past sort of the uh, the commercial peak, I guess, of the band. Is it easier now to sort of just go out and play these songs? I imagine there's less expectations 
that you put on yourselves as well as on you from the public and from the music industry at this point because uh, you know because time has passed are you able to just go out and just enjoy this now without having to worry about any of those sort of uh elements uh, floating around yes as a matter of fact you're right on the money i um when i was a young man i touring was a much more arduous affair because I had so much press to do. I used to get up at eight in the morning and start doing 20 minute interviews and doing them, you know, every 20 minutes for all day long. And and in many cases I'd have to be driven to radio stations and, uh, you know, taken around to various studios and, and so forth and so on. And it really was, utterly exhausting because then after having worked an entire day at press, I'd have a show to do it at night. And that, you know, that in itself is arduous. So, um, for me, touring was a necessary evil when I was a young man. Now it's something I do with pleasure because I don't have that kind of arduous schedule. I, I have um, a much more relaxed pace, and um, although we're still in a different town every day, you know, and driving for hours between times, um, it's nevertheless a much easier process for me than it was in the past, and I'm much happier to tour than I ever was. That's good. That's good. That's good to hear, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you'd be doing it if, if you weren't, right? I mean, at this point. Yes, true enough. For the most part, the band is, it's, it's most of the same people who, who played on the, the earlier albums. What do you think it is that, that works so well between the group of you? Like, wh- why, why does this still work as a band after all these years and all these well, records and tours? Wait, I think it's because we've never lost our enthusiasm for the music. Um, and everybody's improved over time. People haven't let their skills atrophy. On the contrary, they've expanded them. So that obviously makes it easier to <laughs> to pull off live, I imagine, when everyone's just yes. improved. Yeah, I think that make, it makes a big difference. Yeah. So, what is the? Um, do you have an idea of what the future of the band is at this point, or are you just sort of going with the flow and 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 enjoying it as it happens? Well, you know, it's. I'm not really going with the flow. I'm definitely doing what I want to do, which is specific and considered. Um, and what I want to do right now is um, release new music and tour. And um, that's pretty much what I'm doing. Um, like I said, I've got a companion piece for the new single that we're writing that I we just put out, Sacred Alphabet which is on all kinds of streaming platforms. Yep. And, um, and we've been playing it live as well, and it's been going over like gangbusters, which surprised me because, you know, we were playing it live before it was even out, and we were getting standing ovations for it. And ordinarily, when you play a song for a crowd that they've never heard, they're not necessarily as receptive to it as the material that they're more familiar with. So I was taken aback that people, you know, were giving me standing ovations for the song, um, just based on a first listen. And now that the song is out, we're starting to get requests for it at shows. So that's nice. It, you know, it just on in two days, 
of being on Spotify, we already had 10,000 spins. So That's cool, thought, yeah. Yeah. So it shows that you're more than just, uh, people aren't seeing you as a nostalgia act, they're seeing you as a band with a deep catalog that is, is still making interesting, vital music. Apparently so, yes. I'm, gl- I'm happy to rediscover this after many years. One thing I wanted to ask you about is, and I know you're not in Winnipeg now, but I mean, your band, I think, is very associated with Winnipeg, especially in the 90s, early 90s, and, and as a, an export that, that did well, you know, local local folks done good kind of thing. Um, what do you think it is about Winnipeg? I, you've probably been asked this before, but why does Winnipeg sort of generate so much creativity? I, it's something that I've been trying to figure out sort of, you know, every week talking to people from all different musical backgrounds and I sort of get different answers every time, but like, is there something in the water here? Where do we get the creativity from? You know, um, for me, it was an ongoing fascination with music that I had ever since I was a child. But I think Winnipeg as a city, um, you know, the winters are long. And either you play hockey or you join a band. <laughs> and I joined a band. I mean, I did play hockey too, but I was terrible. My the pinnacle of my hockey career was in grade four. I got the most improved player award. <laughs> you had to start off really sucking pretty badly <laughs> in order to get the award. For sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, I think... Um, the long winters drive people to uh, be creative. That may be an oversimplification, uh, but it's certainly not far from the truth in my own case. No, I think I mean, it has uh, something to do with it for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah just just having that time to fill with something and you have yeah. a guitar lying around it usually usually becomes that becomes the something. Yes. Where can people find out? I mean, the good thing about this being a podcast is someone could hear it when it comes out, the day it comes out, or they could hear it a year from now. What's the best way to sort of keep track of of what you're doing as a band, uh, where you're playing shows? Maybe you'll have new music out in the future. How can people find you online? Well, um, CrashTestDummies.com is our home online, and there you can find all of our music for for sale or for, uh, you know, there's links to listening platforms. Um, that's where our two, our tour dates are all listed. That's on the very first page that you get to shows our tour dates. And when we put out a song as we did with sacred alphabet, um, there's a page that comes up before you can even get to our webpage that asks you if you want to hear the song. And, um, so it's very easy to access that way. Crashesummy.com. And is the whole catalog on there? Like, can you can you access the entire? Yep. Uh, right on, right on. Yeah. The, the wonders of technology. Yes, and I'm just about finished getting all of my catalog onto uh, Spotify and the rest of the streaming platforms. Very cool. Puts a bit up. I love your guts. I love your goo. Your ugly blood, your creepy heart, the heart that's true to me and you. I thank you. I'd eat your gum, I'd eat your goo. I love the blood that lies. 